Welcome to the Potter's House North podcast. We hope you'll be blessed by today's message. Well, we have, as I said, we have been on this journey, and that's exactly what it has been. And we, uh, in the journey, have attempted to try to take you through the life of Jesus from Passover uh, into Pentecost. Just as a refresher a little bit, we have talked about, let me tell you what we've talked about. We've talked about uh, the death, and we've talked about the burial, and we've talked uh, about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, let me interject something right here that when that 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 when they crucified Jesus, uh, their goal, the whole purpose of their of their crucifying him was so that they could stop him. They wanted to stop him. However, none of them were smart enough to understand that you can never stop something that God himself has set in motion. God is not the one that you want to fight against. So they tried to stop Jesus and they crucified him. They wanted to abort his mission. They wanted to stop him from doing uh, the works and the signs and the wonders in the earth that his father had sent him to do. But here was the problem. When they crucified him, greater works began to break out among his people. And after Pentecost, instead of God just simply working through one man named Jesus, he began working through every believer. He began working through the corporate man and and. Because of that, they set in motion those that crucified the Lord. They set in motion something that was unstoppable. You ought to look at somebody in your living room and tell them, I am unstoppable. I am unstoppable. When I am on my kingdom assignment, I am unstoppable. And they set into motion something that was unstoppable, that here we is so powerful, that here we are 2,000 years later, and we are still marching, and we are still moving, and we are still going forward, because you cannot stop something that God himself has set into motion. So 50 days after uh, Passover happened, the power of God was released. The power of the Almighty God was released. And had they never crucified the Lord, all that they would have ever had to contend with uh, 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 was the blood of bullocks and the blood of goats. And you know and I know that the blood of bullocks and the blood of goats were not enough. Uh, the high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and as he would go in on an annual basis, he could only go in once a year to put their blood on the mercy seat to, to uh, make an atonement for the sin of humanity. It, but it was never enough. It was never anything that would last eternally. Their blood, it had to be done, the, the blood of a bullock or the blood of a goat was, was never enough to satisfy God. And so they would have to reapply it year after year. But when Jesus uh, took his blood and he went 
through the heavenlies and he went into the holy of holies. It started something that was so powerful that no one could ever stop it. To this day, it cannot be stopped. And this is the real reason why those of us who are free today are free. We are not free because we sing. We are not free because we praise. We are not free simply because we worship. We are not free because we stop doing drugs or alcohol or sinning and doing things like that. We are not free because now uh, we attend church, uh, you know, regularly. We are not free simply because we have a big Bible that we carry that many of us do not read. We are not free because we wear a cross on our uh, on our our necklace, and and we are not no. None of those reasons are why we are free. None of them at all because th that, that can be works and we are not free based on our works. We are free today because when Jesus, who was the spotless lamb, shed his blood and carried it into a temple that was not made with the hands of a man and he took it through the veil into the holy of holies and sprinkled it onto our heavenly mercy seat. He eradicated our sin. He allocated our judgment and he instituted our freedom. And it is because of that that we are free today. So we've talked about some of that. We've talked about the ascension. We've talked about prayer over the last several weeks. We've talked about on the road to Emmaus, we talked about the upper room. We talked about, uh, Pastor Travis came and talked about the waiting process where, uh, where he, Jesus gave the disciples the instruction that said, do not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father. And it wasn't long after that to Pastor Chris came along and he started talking to us about the language, having an explicit language. And then uh, last week, Pastor Ron Carter, Carpenter, he came and he spoke and he talked to us about the sound and the power of the sound and how that you and I, we have the ability and what we need to do is let the sound of praise be heard in our lives and in our mouths. And all of those things that I just mentioned were aspects uh, are parts of the journey. I may not have got them in exact order, but they were all a part of the process of the journey. And so today I want to give you, I want to give you what, what I would call, uh, I, I want to talk about the spirit of unity uh, that this journey demanded. The journey that the disciples were on, it demanded Unity. It was not an option. There had to be unity before the sound from heaven could come, before the day of Pentecost could fully come, before the mighty rushing wind would fill the house, before the cloven tongues of fire would set down upon all the believers that were in the upper room, before Peter, before Peter could declare the words that said these are not drunk as ye suppose but they are drunk in the Holy Ghost 
before he could say this is that which was spoken of by the prophet Joel that it will come to pass that in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh your sons and your daughters shall prophesy your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams before he said that on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit and they shall prophesy before all of that could ever happen. The Bible said they were in one place and they were in one accord. Before all of those things that I just told you about, before the prophetic unction could happen, they had to be together in one place and in one accord. They were united. Unity was the prerequisite for what they were experiencing. And the one thing, the one thing that God has always wanted is that God has always wanted a united family. That is the heartbeat of God. The night before Jesus died on the cross, he took his 12 disciples, he took the men that he had been training uh, throughout his entire ministry and those that he had been mentoring, he took them to a place that he could share with them uh, the Passover meal. He took them to what was called the upper room and it was called the upper room because it was uh, on the second floor of of a building and during that meal which we have now come to call the last supper uh, Judas was one of the disciples that was in the room that day but Judas left because Judas uh, went on his own assignment I guess uh, I guess you could say it like that Judas was going to do his own thing because there's always somebody that's bent on doing their own thing but Judas left the supper and he went out and he went out to betray Jesus and he went out to do it and and, and so that he could tell them where he was and that he could have he could have Jesus arrested um, but there was some money involved in that so Judas sold Jesus out for money. I said Judas sold Jesus out for money. Now we all are like, oh, I can't believe I would, I can't believe that one of his own disciples would ever sell him out for money. But I say before you come down too hard on Judas, we might ought to all examine ourselves. How many times have we sold Jesus out for money. How many times have we looked at the portion that belonged to the Lord and said, eh, I, I don't have to give it this time. How many times have, has God moved on our heart to do something for somebody and yet we held back? That is a Judas spirit and we got to be careful. Be careful how you handle your money and remember this every time you handle money. Uh, th remember that Jesus, uh, m money is what got Jesus crucified. So be careful before you point your finger at a Judas and and ask yourself, Lord, is there any ways in me that are mirroring a Judas? I don't want to 
to put money over you in my life. And now I believe that 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 Judas continued. I believe that Judas believed in Jesus, but I also believe that 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 he somehow he didn't love him like he did at one time. That's why we got to be careful that we keep our love for God in its rightful place because if we don't then we will find ourselves selling him out just for a little bit of money now Jesus is in the upper room he's with his disciples and he knows exactly what Judas is doing he, he knows that he also knows that he himself will be crucified he will die and he will be buried within 24 hours he also knows that the words that he is speaking at this dinner will be the last words that he speaks before he goes to the cross. Now, the, the, the last words of a dying person have always been extremely important. And I, I'm going to say it again. The last words of a dying person have always been extremely important. And in this gathering, at this meal that they were sharing together, Jesus begins sharing his final words of inspiration and instruction to those who are his very own. He is sharing his uh, utmost intimate thoughts in this particular setting. And you could actually read them for yourself. You can go to the book of John and you can read chapter 13 all the way through chapter 17. And you can find, you can hear those, those last words. Those five chapters in the book of John are actually called the upper room discourse. And they are filled with very, very powerful truths uh, that we need to hear uh, this very day. Now, I, I, I read those again this week because uh, I knew I was going to talk to you about that. And there I, it, I began to realize that there are two themes out of those five chapters uh, that Jesus spoke about the most. If you, you ought to take that and make that your assignment this week to read John 13 all the way through chapter 17 and you will discover that there are two themes that Jesus spoke about the most. Uh, he spoke number one, uh, uh, the most about how much he loved us, how much that he loved you and how much that he loved me. And the second theme that he spoke about was how much that you and I as the church need to love one another. As a matter of fact, I went back through it again after I had read it again and I, I circled in my Bible every time the word love or loved or loveth or any time that word came up in those five chapters uh, and I, I, I believe if I did it right I saw 32 times that those words were mentioned in that small uh, uh, that, that small passage of scripture um, for example, here's what one of the things he said. He said uh, in John 15 and 9, just as the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. And then he goes on and he says, continue in my 
love. The Father loved me, and now I love you, and now it's your job. The ball is in your court, and I want you to pick it up, and I want you to continue in my love. He didn't say continue in your love, Cheryl, because he knows that my love will probably only go so far. And what he was saying is my Father's love is in me, and now with that same love, I have loved you, and now I want you to love everyone that is around you. In John 15 and 12, he said, this is my commandment. So it's not a suggestion. It's not one of those things where Jesus said, you have the option. He said, this is what I'm commanding you to do, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now, if we're going to do that, he has to help us do that. And he knows he has to help us do that. But that takes me back to the yes that we were singing about. If there is a yes in your spirit, then God will help you to obey his word. You can't do it by yourself. I can't keep it by myself, but he will help us. He said, greater love hath no man that, uh, than this, that a man would lay down his life for his friends and laying down his life for his friends is precisely what Jesus would be doing in just a matter of a few hours. He kept coming back. If you read those, that, that upper room discourse, you'll see where he kept coming back to the same theme. I love you. Now you must love one another. I love you. Now you must love one another. I know people get on your nerves, but as I love you, you must love one another. And after Jesus spoke these final words before he would go to the cross, he began to pray his final prayer, his final prayer. And in that final prayer, if you read it, you'll, you'll, you'll discover this. In that final prayer, he laid out his vision for us. He laid out his vision for the church. He laid out his vision for our family. And he said in the first verse of John 17, he said, Father, the hour is come. Now glorify thy son that thy son may also glorify thee. What he's saying right there, he's saying, okay, Father, it's, it's time. Time, the time has come. The time has come now for me to go. The time has come for me to give my life, to die for the sins of the world. And in the first eight verses of that particular chapter, he begins, he begins it by giving his father a progress report of the last three and a half years of his ministry right here on the earth. He gives his father uh, the report, I've done this and I've done that. And then in verse nine, he prays for all of them. He prays for his disciples. He prays for all of them. And then after he prays for all of them, he prays for all of us uh, who have come uh, by faith to know Jesus because of them, because of the works that they have done. So he prayed first for them and then he prayed for you and for me. And he said in 17 verse 9, he said, I pray for them, for them, not, not the world. Uh, I'm not praying at this moment 
moment for the world, but I'm praying for them which thou hast given me because really, God, they are thine. You gave them to me, but really they are yours. And so I'm praying for them. And in verse 11, he says, Father, Holy Father, he said, I am about I am about to leave this world. I am about to return and I am going to be with you, but my disciples will remain here. I'm coming to be with you, but they are going to remain here on the earth. And so I'm asking that by the power of your name, that you would protect each and every one of them that you have given me and watch over them so that they will be united as one even as we are one do you all get that right there he is about to die he's praying his final prayer and what was he praying he's asking his father please watch over them please protect them and please make sure that they stay united as one even as you and I are one. Let me point that out. That 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 is the first mention of unity among the believers in his prayer. But it is going to ultimately become the primary theme of his whole entire prayer. What are you saying to us, Pastor Brady? I'm saying that what was on the forefront of the mind of Jesus as he was preparing to go to the cross was his own family. It was his church. And, and it, what, what was he thinking about his family and his church? He was thinking about how he wanted them to be united in love. Did you know that Jesus was praying for you on his way to the cross? He was praying not that you would have a better house or not that you would have a better car are not that you would have a better man or a better woman or better opportunities in your life but what he was praying is that you would be united in one with your brothers and your sisters because the truth is that when we are united in one we can come together we can pray and we can touch on it and agree and God will not withhold any good thing from them who walk up rightly and when you walk up before him doing what he prayed for you to do while he was on his way to the cross that is walking up rightly and he said to us in verse 20 and 21 he said now I'm not only praying for those disciples he was he was praying for the disciples he says but now I'm not only praying for these disciples but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message he said I have poured myself into the disciples and I praying for them but now I'm praying for those who will believe that I am who I said I am because of the message that the disciples will proclaim he said I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one. Can I tell you today that Christians, uh, uh, we prove that we are who we say we are uh, when we are one with another. That's what that verse is saying. You can say you're a Christian all day long, but if you are never united with anybody, if you're never united with the body, then you are not everything that you say that you are. What proves that you are part of the body of Christ is that you can... Uh, 
unite one with another. And he said in verse 23 in the Passion Translation, he said, you live, you live fully in me and I fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity and the world will be convinced. Do you hear that? He's saying, Father, you are living fully in me and they, and, and I am living fully in them. And because of that, the world, the world, the world, those that are afar off, those that are don't, that don't know you, those that are estranged from you because you live fully in me and I live fully in them. Now we are going to convince the world that you are the one that sent me for they will see that you love one another and that you care one for the other. And God, here's what he said at the end of that verse. He said, Lord, they will see that you have the same passionate love for them as you have for me. Do you understand that God has the same passionate love for you right where you are as he had for Jesus in your mess, in your sin, in your weakness, in your failure, in your disappointments. You've disappointed yourself in all of those things. God has the same passionate love for you that he had for his son Jesus who was perfect by the way in all of our perfections he loves me like he loved Jesus if you ever had a low self-esteem issue you ought to read that verse and realize you should never have low self-esteem again because God loves you just like he loved Jesus he is on his way to the cross and just as he is preparing to die he is concerned about whether we who are his followers in the church are going to make it a priority that we are united in love so it's it's on the forefront of his mind in in such such an incredible time I mean, he could be thinking about the nails. He could be thinking about the blood. He could be thinking about him getting ready to die. Let me tell you something. He felt all of that. He felt every pain. He felt every jab. His heart was broken. His body was broken. He felt the lashes that came on him from the, 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 the cat of nine tails when they hit his body. So he's got other things on his mind. But the first and the foremost and the primary uh, 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 thoughts that that are on his mind is about you and it's about me and it's about his vision for us. It, it, the first and the foremost thoughts that are on his mind is what, what he prayed for. It's And the reason he prayed for it is because it's what he wanted. It's his final prayer, y'all, right here. And, and it, it, it had everything, uh, everything to do with you and me loving one another another if he had wanted something else he would have prayed for something else but he did not what he prayed for is help them to know that they are loved and help them to know the importance of loving and uniting one with another I honestly believe that that is one of see our unity is so important that I honestly believe that that is one of the reasons that the Bible tells us in Proverbs 6 that 
one of the things that God hates, 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 one of the things that God hates is those who sow discord in the body of Christ. He is on his way to the cross and his prayer is, Lord, let them be united. May they understand the power of unity. And then when we come in and just with flesh began to sow discord in the body, discord over here, slander somebody over there and slander somebody over here. Don't do that lightly because I'm telling you on his way to the cross, his prayer was father, make them one as we are one. And that is why God hates those who sow discord. Behold, he said in Psalms 133, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And then he begins to describe it. He, it's like the precious ointment. It's precious. It's, 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 it's rare. It's, uh, it, it, it's precious. It's, it's, it's the, the precious anointing oil that ran down upon the, from the head down to the beard. And it ran even on to Aaron's beard. And it went down from the beard down to the skirts of the garments as the dew of Hermon that descended there uh, upon them from the mountain of Zion. And then it goes on and it says, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, commanded, commanded. If there is ever a time that we need a commanded blessing, it is now. It, it was as we came through a pandemic. The commanded blessing was key. Having that commanded blessing, that was so vital in our lives. But he doesn't just even say that. He said there, there the Lord commanded the blessing. But then he goes on and he says, even life, even life, not just a blessing, but life, life, breathing and moving and having, having our being, even life. I command you to live. That's how some of us are still alive. He commanded us to live through 2020. He commanded us to live through 2021. He commanded us to have food on our table. He commanded us to have a roof over our head. He never, ever, ever think that it was you. Never think that you did it for yourself. Never think that you are so good at counting your money and putting it back and saving for a rainy day because one circumstance could come in and wipe all of us out. It was God who commanded the life over us. When you got COVID and you nearly died and God said you shall live and not die. Let me tell you something. It's not that you were better than those people who did die. You just got to say, Lord, I don't understand it, but I am so grateful that you gave me life. And I promise you this, nobody will ever have to beg me to praise you. Nobody will ever have to say, open your mouth and sing to your God. Because I realized that if you hadn't let me breathe, I would not be breathing today. Whew. He commanded life for there, for there. Where is there? There is the appointed place. There is what God ordered. Where is, where is there? There is unity. 
So in unity, God said, I've appointed some blessings for you. In unity, I've appointed some, some things for your household. I, I've ordered some things. I've commanded some things to find your house. Not that house. I commanded it to find your house. In order, I have commissioned something. When you are in unity, I have commissioned this. I've directed this. I've pulled that and said, flow now into that house. In other words, I, when I saw unity in your house, I willed the blessing over your address. I summoned it. I demanded it. I command. You didn't know where it was going to come from. You didn't know how it was going to happen. It didn't look good. It didn't look like you would make it. But God said, I snatched it out of the atmosphere and I said, here, I'm dropping it in your front yard. Oh, I willed the blessing to be on you. He summoned it. He demanded. He said, I want it on you. Not you, not you, not you, not you, not you, not you, 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 you. I'm sending it to your house. I am talking about the blessing that makes rich and adds no sorrow with it. And the NIV says, the blessing of the Lord that brings wealth without painfully toiling for it. Ooh, do y'all hear that today? The blessing of the Lord that brings wealth without painfully. I've seen some people have wealth and I've watched them painfully toil for it. They had to they, they, they had to manipulate this and they manipulated that and when they lay down at night even though they got the best bed money can buy, they can't sleep because they manipulated their way into where they are. No, he said when I see unity there is where I will command the blessing. You ought to look at somebody in your house and say that's the kind of blessing I want that is the one right there that I don't have to sweat and I don't have to toil and I don't have to worry about who's going to take it from me I just have to rest in the Lord because I understand what God has for me it is for me and well let me what here's what you got to know that if we're going to live in that zone of life if we're going to live where we get that blessing that kind of blessing the commanded blessing the blessing that that comes without painfully having to toil for it. Guess what? We have to dwell together in unity. Unity does not mean that we just stand close to one another. It does not mean that we just get together. It does not mean that we, oh, we attend the same church. So we are in unity. No, no, it doesn't mean that. You can live in the same house with the same family and still not have unity. Unity means that we are not just simply near each other, but it means that we are dear to one another. That means that we care about one another. That means that we are legitimately concerned over one another's need. I, I've said this before, but I remember one particular day that I guess I must have had Sydney and Z Isaiah when they were littler and uh, was keep keeping them. And they were just fighting and fighting and picking one another. I want to watch this and I want to watch that. And, and I had that first and, you know, all those things that kids do. It seemed like they had just been fussing and fighting and fighting and fussing. And it wasn't too, too long after a, a, a big fussing incident 
that Isaiah was in another room and he fell. And when he fell, he let out this ungodly scream. It was like a blood curdling scream. And before I could get up and run to where he was, Sydney started running into the direction of where the scream was coming from. Not because that they were simply connected biologically, but there was something in spite of all of the frustrations that they had with one another and the fussing and the yelling and the, all of that stuff that was going on. There was a connection that was deeper than all of that. And it was a heart. It was a heart connection. And it made her jump up out of whatever she was doing. And she ran. And she didn't even know exactly where it was. But she was running in the direction of the cry. That is a heart. That is a heart connection. Why is a heart connection so important? Because it's the heart connection that enables us to bear all things, to hope for all things, to believe and to endure all things. You have got to be able to endure things. Life is not just going to lay down and be beautiful, and most of you know that. You can get married today, but I'm going to tell you something. If you're going to have the ability to stick it out and take and make it through the test of time, there has to be something in you that's more than attraction. I cannot just be attracted to you and, and stay with you. It might be nice for the moment, but eventually you're going to change, and you ain't going to look like you look. Uh, you, you're not going to I'm not going to look like I looked and if we're going to continue to stay together there has to be something that's called a heart connection and it makes me get up under your burden and it makes you get up under my burden and you love me when I'm sick and you love me when I'm well and you love me when I'm right and you even love me when I'm wrong and when I'm confused you are there and when you are confused I am there and when you say I can't take it another day I get up under you and say oh yes you can you've got exactly what it takes because we have one another that is not just attraction that is the kind of love that bears all things believes all things hopes and endures all things and you cannot do that and you cannot go the extra miles that life is going to require you to go without love and unity God is so serious about unity that he would rather you be reconciled with your brother than for you to bring him your praise. Do you hear me today? He is so concerned about unity that if you come to bring him a gift, he says, hold up, I don't want that yet. Don't come in here praise and look at all like you're so spiritual. Lay that down. Go find your brother and make things right with them. God loves Unity, say it right now with me. God loves unity, say it again. God loves unity, say it in your house. God loves unity, say it one more time. God loves unity and when he finds it, he opens up the windows of heaven and he, he drops out a blessing on that house. He drops a blessing on that marriage. He drops a blessing on that church and then you're walking around saying, man, what did I do to get this? You 
loved one another and you stayed united with one another and when I saw it I just peeled back the heavens over your life and I said here this is something special it's handfuls on purpose just for you and listen here now you understand that is why the enemy fights so hard to divide us because a house that is divided against itself cannot cannot that don't just that don't just mean that it will not it means it's impossible it cannot stand it doesn't have the resources to stand it doesn't have the state of mind it doesn't have the favorable conditions it doesn't have the, 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 the whatever it takes to stand why because there is no love and there is no unity that is why Ephesians 4 and 3 says we are endeavoring endeavoring to keep 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 the spirit of or keep the unity of the spirit endeavor exert yourself exhaust yourself means you got to be mentally and physically and emotionally all in all in not, I'm not talking about if people are abusing you that's I felt like I needed to say that right there if somebody's abusing you they need to get their life right okay and and I'm not telling you to to be all up in all of that but if it's just simple, if it's just a matter of you know God joined you to me and I, I know God joined me to you, then we have to endeavor to keep the spirit of unity. We got to work together. How dare you have an answer over here that you know I'm struggling to find and you not be willing to share that answer with me. How can that be? Maybe that's why God isn't answering your prayers because you are not being an answer to somebody else's prayer. Endeavoring. Do you hear the I-N-G on the end of that? That means again and again and again and again and again and again. I got to work. I got to maintain this. I've got to keep this thing. That means I can't be passive about it. It means I've got to be diligent. It means I've got to be prompt about it. It means that it is my job to keep the unity, but it is not just my job. It is your job too. Look at somebody around your house and tell them it's your job too. It's, all, it's not all your job, but it is your job too. Paul said in Ephesians 4, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation or the invitation to salvation wherewith you are called. And he goes on and he says, with all lowliness, with meekness, with long suffering and forbearing each other in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit. Be lowly. Be full of meekness. Be long-suffering with that woman, with that man, with that child. How dare you fly off the handle 
if somebody just says the wrong thing all because you might be having a day, a bad day. You have no right to do that. Where is your long suffering? We got to be long suffering, forbearing one another. Get up under each other and pray for one another. Pray that God would bring them through. Pray that God would help them. Pray that God would give them answers. Endeavoring to keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it, to watch over it, to be in charge over it. It is yours to keep my brothers and my sisters. It's your unity to maintain. It's your unity to protect. It's your unity to guard. Keep your eyes on it. Don't let it get away from you. Prevent that thing from escaping you. We absolutely right now, we need a full military line to fight for what God wants to do in the church. We have to stand shoulder to shoulder. Even if we're six feet apart, we still got to stand up in the spirit, shoulder to shoulder. Why? Because we need his blessing. I said we need his blessing because I don't know about you all, but I got to be blessed. I didn't have the education. I didn't have the friends in high places. I didn't have the favor. I didn't have the personality. I wasn't good at manipulating. I got to be blessed by God. Why? Because where there is unity, I will find strength and I will find resources and I will find favor and I will find everything that I have need of. I will find an exception. Oh, he didn't do it for that one and he didn't do it for that one. But because I have been in tethering to keep the unity of the spirit. He said, now move in, Cheryl. I've opened the door. I'm getting ready to shut it right behind you. But this is your moment. Walk in it. Whatever you do, don't miss your moment. Because when you are a person that will seek to endeavor to keep the unity, you will hear God and you'll find the time and you'll make the time because there is nothing more re-energizing than people that are coming together uniting around a cause and in closing today can I tell you that there is a cause we have got a church to rebuild we have got children that have went for a year and a half and they are struggling and they are hurting we've got songs that the praise team need to write we need music to be written we need men and women to be discipled we've got families that need to be strengthened there are sick people sick in their spirit sick in their heart sick in their body and they need to be healed we've got lost people that need to be saved we got hurting people that need help we got young people that need to be pointed toward their purpose and if the devil thinks that by throwing a pandemic in our direction and we all have to run to our own homes if he thinks that that will stop us from being the body of Christ that devil is a liar because we are one we are united 
nation to unite around here at the potter's house of North Dallas. Now I know you've got used to staying at home on Sunday morning and the real challenge, I said the real challenge is going to be you making up in your mind. I'm not gonna allow my flesh to let me be lazy and I'm not gonna allow my flesh to make me walk in fear but I was glad when they said unto me let us go to the house of the Lord why because there's a vision to be accomplished we got plenty of vision around here for us to unite on let me tell you something vision causes there to be unity let me tell you something, division causes it to be divisiveness. Division is destructive. We cannot tolerate that. I said we cannot tolerate that. That is why we have never in the history of this church had a bunch of different visions going in different directions because one of the biggest threats to what God wants to do in the earth is division. What you, you know what division is? It's different visions that are pulling us in different directions. Let me tell you, we can have a vision that we serve in a multitude of ways, but what we cannot have is a multitude of visions. We cannot. Listen, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And, and, and let me say this, a house divided against itself. A kingdom divided against itself and a house divided against itself doesn't necessarily mean a house that's fighting. No. It could just mean a house that's pulling in different directions. You're going this way and you're going this way. And we're human and we have emotional needs, but we're letting other things and other people feel those emotional needs. And what that does is it pulls us farther and farther and farther apart. Oh, I've got a ministry. Oh, oh I got a ministry too. Oh yeah, I got a We all got a ministry. But we have to be united. And this doesn't just apply in our, in our church. It applies in our homes. It applies in our family. It applies on, on the, in the workplace. It applies with our business. Never, ever, ever underestimate the power of unity. Never underestimate the power. Well, I've heard this before, Pastor Brady. Well... It's not about how many times you've heard it. It's about how fresh it is in you right now. I said it's about how fresh it is in you right now. And whenever we compromise the spirit of unity, guess what that means? In our house, on our job, in our family, in our church. What that means is we are disqualified for obtaining the blessing. 
Oh, look at somebody around you and say, let's fight for it. Let's fight for it. Let's fight for that blessing. We have some incredible opportunities that are before us as the body of Christ. I don't know if in my lifetime that there's ever been more broken people. I don't know in my lifetime that there's ever been more broken men and women and families and children. And I don't know if I've ever seen it anymore than I'm looking at it today. But if we are willing to do what God has asked us to do, I believe we are on the verge of seeing an unprecedented harvest like we have never seen before in our home, in our families, in our lives, in our children, in our dreams, in our desires. When we come together, not as individuals, but when we come together as one corporate man, when we come together as one corporate body of Christ, the supernatural breaks out in our midst. And when that breaks out, prison, and doors are open. Paul and Silas were locked in prison, but they, they could have sat there and, and they could have blamed one another. Well, it's your fault that we're here. And if you'd have never done this, but if you'd have never done that, they could have sat there and blamed each other. But instead, they raised their voice as the corporate man. And when they began to sing, the foundations of the prison began to shake and they were free. But not only this, everybody else around them was free why because when the corporate man praises together in unity breakthroughs have got to happen when the corporate man comes together and the corporate man leads in worship and the corporate man runs the sound and the corporate man runs over the, the children's ministry and it's not just oh this is my ministry this is what I do when the corporate man is behind the camera when the corporate man sits in the pew praying for the one that's got the microphone when the corporate man says that's my church that's my family that's who I'm for when the corporate man comes together I'm telling you scales will fall off the eyes of people prayers will take and break yokes and shatter them contracts are going to be signed deals are going to be made and favor is going to start falling oh and when the day of Pentecost had fully come if we could ever hear the cry of the father on his way to the cross that said father make them one if we could ever do our part to merge into the one, one people, one place, one mind, in one accord, the Spirit of God would be so strong that demons would tremble. Drug addicts would be loose. Drug dealers would be set free. Suicide spirits would lose the minds of people and injustice across America and around the world would fall on its feet. 
praise if we could ever get enough sense in the White House, on the Hill, in the Senate, in the government, in your house, and in my house, if we could get enough sense to stop fighting and arguing and pulling against one another. Oh, if we could ever come together as a corporate man, then what we bind on earth would be bound in heaven, and what we loosed on earth would be loosed in heaven for wherever two or three or two or three are gathered together in my name. I will be there. Oh, I don't know about y'all, but I need help. I need some help in my life. You need some help. I know other people need some help. I don't know if you can want to admit this or not, but this has been a tough year. The devil has fought me. He's fought my home. He's fought my family. Some of you might say, he's after my son right now. He's after my husband. He's after my wife. Oh, he's after my mind, Pastor Brady. I need some help. I need some backup. Well, I'll tell you right now, this is no time for your family to have a feud. This is no time because the devil is after our sons and our daughters and our destiny and our purpose and our grandsons and our granddaughters and our marriages and our minds. He's after our will to get back up. He's after our will to come out of it. He's after our will to fight back. He's after our will to survive. But this is no time for you to fall apart. I say in the name of Jesus, this is the time for you to pull it together. Pull it together, Potter's House North. Pull it together, nations of the world. Pull it all together. For if one of us can put a thousand to flight, two of us can put 10,000 to flight. Thank you for joining us today. We'd love to have you join us online every Sunday morning at 9 and 11.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. Streaming live at www.tphnd.org watch now or through our Potter's House North app.